Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Great to see you this morning. Good morning. Oh, I need a little more than that. Good morning. Great to see you this morning. By the way, you see my Christmas sweater here? I've got, I got, I, I decided, I decided 25 days of Christmas. I went through all my stuff on the 1st of December. I was a little nervous. I was running short on stuff. I pulled out every sock, every, everything Christmassy I had. I think I had 10 Christmas sweaters. And I decided I'm doing it. 25 days of Christmas. Now, I will tell you, yesterday working around the house, I had my Bah Humbug socks on, but it's, it was still Christmas. And I just decided I'm doing it. So, uh, anyway. I'm looking out there, I see a couple Christmas sweaters, that's what made me think of that. Hey, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, take them and turn to Psalm 88, Psalm 88, and we are going to focus in on this series called Advent, preparing our hearts for His coming. Last week we talked about God's perfect timing, how God's timing shouts His sovereignty and teaches us His authority and His ability, not just to show up on time, but His authority that He's in control. Today we want to talk about God or preparing for God to come and meet us in our dark places, and that's where we're going to begin in Psalm 88 today. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of the town of Barrows, Alaska. Um, it, is, uh, it actually has an Inuit name, and I don't know how to say it. it I, I couldn't pronounce it. But Barrows, Alaska is the northernmost town in the United States. It uh, has the distinction of having seen its last day or last sunrise on November the 18th of this year. It will not see it again until January 23rd, 2021. 67 straight days without a sunrise. It's a dark place. Now, I don't know how many of you, how many of you, you you're okay with a little bit of darkness? You kind of like it when it's a little gloomy and stuff? I, I, I am. I'm one of those guys. My lights are, my eyes are real sensitive to light and stuff. And so I'm okay with a little bit, but I got to tell you, 67 days, it, that would be hard. I do a lot of sleeping. I don't know. Because <laughs> when I go home and it's already dark at 5.30, it's hard for me to want to do things outside. And so we find ourselves just kind of, ah, we'll do it tomorrow. Well, then tomorrow it's dark again. And so, man, there's something about darkness. In fact, Tammy, she needs sunlight. She, she tells me it's medical, for medical reasons, she has to go to Florida at least once every winter. She does. She said, because I'm going to kill you if I don't. It's for your health. And, and so we've actually planned. Her mom and dad have a place down in Sarasota. We've actually planned. We look for the cheap tickets. She'll fly down for a few days, and she'll come on back. And, and, and it, just, it just, you need a little bit of light. The, the reason that that strikes me is because of what it says in verse 18 in Psalm 88. It, it just seems out of place. Turn your Bibles, would you? Psalm 88. We're going to take a look at this psalm today. It's considered the saddest of all psalms in the Bible. And here's what it says in Psalm 88, verse 18. You have taken my companions and my loved ones from me. The darkness is my closest friend. Man, read that again. You have taken my companions and loved ones from me. The darkness is my closest friend. One of the guys who was listening online first hour wrote me a text. He said, that sounds like the old Simon and Garfunkel song. 
And I knew exactly what he meant. Do you remember this song, Hello Darkness, My Old Friend? I've come to talk with you again because the vision softly creeping left its seeds while I was sleeping and the vision planted in my brain still remains within the sound of silence. There's something. Man, I, I'm thinking, I never thought of Simon and Garfunkel as being scriptural uh, wizards, but I think maybe that's where they got this thing. What leads a guy to say something like that? The guy's name, by the way, is Haman. It's not the Haman that a lot of people know out of the book of Esther. And the guy is an Ezraite. He is a, he's a son of Korah. He's actually a worship leader. How'd you like to have Pastor Ryan get up and, <laughs> and say, you know, darkness is my closest friend? I mean, I, I don't think that's inspiring at all. What leads a person to conclude a psalm with the words, darkness is my closest friend. This week I was actually reading, I wasn't planning on preaching this this week, but then there was something that happened on Thursday that changed everything. But earlier in the week I was reading through some of the Psalms, and I came to Psalm 88, and I'll be honest, Tammy and I were sitting in our spots, I said, Tammy, listen to this. And I, I read this, and I went back into it, and I, I, all week I've been just thinking about this Psalm, and so it led me to do a little bit of research on this guy named Haman. Um, Haman, interesting, was a grandchild of Samuel. So he kind of has a, a family heritage. And there's a lot that is said about him throughout the book of 1 and 2 Corinthians about this guy. He was, um, he was gifted. The guy had musical ability. He had the ability to sing. He had the ability to play instruments. He was considered, in fact, one of only three people who are named this, who are worship leaders. He was he was named a seer by the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean he is a, he's a fortune teller. It means that God gives him a word. And so here's a worship leader. He's the, part of the clan of the sons of Korah, who his responsibility is to lead worship within the temple of the Lord. He has a relationship with King David, but he's actually very close to King Solomon. He knew David. He knows Solomon. He was a man of tremendous wisdom whom Solomon would actually ask advice from. This is a guy who was blessed with a family, children, 14 sons, three daughters, Scripture says, all of which were magnificent. They were very gifted children. This guy's got everything going for him, doesn't it? He has prestige, he has calling, he has purpose. And oh, by the way, he, he was a patriot, he loved his country. And he lost it all. It was gone. It was gone partly because he developed an illness that made him repulsive to his friends and family. They wouldn't come near him. We think it was leprosy. He lost it all because while he was serving Solomon, Solomon's son Rehoboam took over the kingdom, and if you know the story of Israel, destroyed the kingdom. He split it. And so his country is destroyed, his health is taken, his family is, I mean, he's lost it all. He, he lost, his, he lost his, his, he lost his purpose, he lost his family, he lost his friends, he lost his, his role in ministry, he lost his country, he lost his future, he lost his hope. And so the guy laments and he says, darkness has become my best friend. 
I want to read a little bit of this passage. We're not going to read the whole thing, but there's something as you watch it, as this guy, as this guy reaches out to the Lord. Look what he says, Psalm 88.1. O Lord, the God who saves me day and night, I cry out before you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of trouble and my life draws near the grave. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. In other words, I'm like a dead man. I am like a man without strength. I am set apart with the dead whom you remember no more. Verse 6, you have, you have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily upon me. You have overwhelmed me with all of your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends. You have made me repulsive to them. But I call out to you every day. I spread out my hands to you. Verse 13. But I cry out to you for help, O God. In the morning my prayers come before you. Why, O Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth I've been afflicted and close to death. I have suffered your terrors and I'm in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. And then verse 18. You've taken from me my companions and the loved ones from me. The darkness is my closest friend. You're saying, Pastor, this could be perhaps the absolute worst, most discouraging message I have ever heard in a Christmas series. Why would you share this with us? Well, because I recognize that for many individuals who are watching at home or are here this morning, you're looking forward more to December 26th than the 25th. Christmas is not a joyful time for everybody. In fact, many times, I've said it in the past, wherever you are during the Christmas season, Christmas tends to accentuate it. And if you're in a good place, Christmas makes it a great place. And if you're in a hard place, Christmas makes it almost unbearable. And if you're in a lonely place or a dark place, Christmas, Christmas has a way of accentuating it. Now, I've learned some things about darkness. In fact, this passage just kind of illustrates it. There's some things that I know about darkness, whether it be physical darkness or spiritual darkness or just dark places. Because sometimes, can I just tell you whatever the reason, sometimes we're just in a dark place. Maybe you're here this morning, you're going through a time of grieving. Maybe you're going through a time of frustration. Maybe you're going through a time where, man, you just feel, man, I just feel discouraged. There's some things I know. Number one, it's hard to see in the dark. I know I'm not, I'm not trying to be a wise guy. I mean, really, it's hard to see. And I don't mean just, it's not just hard to see physically. It's hard to see, period. You, you have a way of misunderstanding things in the dark places. Um, look what he says. He says in verse 8 and 9, he says, You have taken my closest friends. You have made me repulsive. Do you notice in this passage, even though he's reaching out to the Lord, and by the way, what's interesting, there is no sense of bitterness in his spirit. He, he's lamenting to the Lord. But it's interesting that everything that is bad in his life, he attributes that God is doing this to him. 
you're doing this to me. I'm in the pit because of you. You've taken my friends. You've taken my family. You've taken my health. You've taken my country. You've taken everything I am. And so what's interesting is, do you ever notice, he says this, he goes, my eyes are dim with grief. When you're going through grieving, when you're in a dark place, our eyesight, the way we see things gets messed up. I said it this way as I was writing out a note for myself. Isn't it interesting that in the dark, everything that's hanging, every piece of clothing hanging up is an intruder trying to get in. And every time you're in the woods and you see anything you don't recognize, it's, a, it's an animal that wants to destroy you. And, and uh, as you're walking through the house, every, uh, every bit of furniture becomes something that can pull your pinky toe out of socket. You know? and why is it always the pinky toe? It's always the pinky toe. And, and when you're walking, when you've got kids, you always impale your feet on something like a toy in the middle of the dark it's hard to see and can i just tell you when you're in a dark place there is something that you start to see things different and you'll notice that he is attributing all of this god you've rejected me god you don't remember me now we know that's not true biblically but when you're in a dark place you start to feel that way and you start to look at things that way it's hard to see in the dark Number two, sometimes the dark is really scary. I mean, it's frightening. It's just the way it is. And, and you may not be afraid of the dark, but the unknownness of the dark, when you're in a dark place, it really can get frightening. In fact, it's interesting what he says, verse 13 to 17, he says, but I cry out to you for your help. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, O oh Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth, I've been afflicted and close to death. I have suffered, get this, your terrors. There is something that is terrifying about the dark. There is something, and when you are in a dark place, not physically, emotionally, whether it's because of illness, loss, loss of relationship, frustration, maybe you're in a dark place just because, frankly, you're, 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 you're dealing with the, uh, depression and discouragement. When you're in a dark place, it's scary. The third thing I know about darkness is, darkness, it's depressing. Now, I was trying to do some study on this, and frankly, I'm not a scientist, I'm certainly not a doctor, but it's interesting the impact of darkness on our brain chemistry has something to do with our, our body cycles and with our... In fact, there's, there's articles written about why darkness actually causes depression. This whole thing about the blueness or the, the winter blues, that is a very common thing. I, I told you Tammy said she has to go to Florida once a year, or in the, in the, especially in the winter time, at least once in order for her to... That isn't because Tammy's got a problem. Tammy is like so many others. In fact, I hear it all the time, is that, man, there is something about discouragement that comes when it's gloomy. And it has to do with our, our what is it, the, the Cadian rhythms and all those things that it literally, in fact, one article I read, it says it literally changes the chemistry of the brain and the way the brain is wired. Can I just tell you there is something about when you go through dark times as a believer in Jesus Christ, you're going through a hard time. It, it's discouraging. If you don't like the word depressing, don't use it. But I'm telling you, it's depressing, it's discouraging, and it, it overwhelms you. Look what he says in this passage. In fact, he says it over and over again. He says, I am set apart with the dead, whom you remember no more. 
Uh, Lord, you have put on me, put me in the lowliest of pits in the dark places. You have overwhelmed me with your ways. Your wonders, um, are, are you even known in the places of darkness? All day long they surround me like a flood. Here it is. They have engulfed me. I am overwhelmed. He uses in one passage, in this passage, he says, your waves have overcome me. It just is relentless. It keeps on coming. Number four, fourth thing I know about darkness is that it can be spiritually stifling. This is not just a figurative life issue. This can become a spiritual issue when you are walking through a dark place it has a way of impacting you spiritually. Look what he says. My soul is full of trouble. There's a reason that David, when he talks about the healing of the Lord, when he talks about Psalm 23, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Here he is. He restores my soul. Because sometimes our soul needs restored. And I spent a little time in between services and Pastor Ann and I were chatting and talking and Pastor Dan and I were chatting and talking. And I just asked myself, why in the world would this psalm be included in Scripture? Scripture is inspired. Why in the world would this be included? I'm not sure we have all the answers, but one of them is that I think there is an encouragement when we realize we're not the only one that's ever felt this way. You may not have written a poem or a song. You may not have sung it to a congregation. You may not even have shared it with anybody. But I guarantee I know people well enough to know that there are some that when you read through this, you're saying, I can identify. And there is something about, and by the way, can I say this? And he was still a believer. He did not cast away the Lord. In fact, you'll notice three times in this, he still was honest with God. And you know what? That's, I think, the second reason is that we see that even in the dark place, see, worship is not... Worship is not just when you're skipping through the fields and singing to God and jumping before Him. Worship is when we share who we really are with God. And I know I've mentioned Job before, but there is something about Job in the midst of all of his loss. And it says he fell down in the ash heap and he tore his clothes and he worshiped God. And oh, by the way, isn't it interesting? Job lost his family and his friends, his, certainly his family because of death. Haman lost his family and they were still alive. And I got to tell you, I'm not sure which is harder. I mean, which is harder when you lose people and they're still alive and they've just rejected you? Or when you've lost them? I, I'm not going to try to compare. I just know it's hard. You see, I think we've lost our ability within the body of Christ to lament. It's okay for us to grieve. And it's okay for us to express our laments before God. Now here, here's the deal. 
I would have never preached this message. I would have never preached this passage. But then all of a sudden, Thursday morning, I'm with some guys in prayer, and all of a sudden, I remembered, I remembered Isaiah 9. Take your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 9. I love this because, okay, these are, this isn't just a people who are in darkness. This is a country. This is Israel that's in darkness. Because Haman is experiencing personal darkness, the people of Israel in Isaiah 8 are experiencing corporate darkness. Their nation has been shattered. I mean, they have been split. So they're not even together anymore. The northern countries, the, uh, the northern uh, tribes, the southern tribes, they're not even together anymore. And the nation of Israel has been undergoing discipline. I mean, they are, they are at a low spot. In fact, in chapter 8 of, of, uh, of Isaiah, the very last verse describes what the people are going through. This is what it says. Then they will look toward the earth and only see darkness and distress. That's not very encouraging. It says, and fearful gloom, and they'll be thrust into utter darkness. In other words, their outlook is complete discouragement. That's where Israel's at, and then the Lord gives them a word of hope. And oh, by the way, tell you the rest of the story, the hope is Christmas. Here's what it says. Nevertheless, that's where they've been. Darkness is where they've been. Distress is where they've been. Chapter 9, verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. If you're here this morning, there's a Christmas promise. He says, no more gloom. That might be where you're at, but that doesn't have to be where you're going to be. Nevertheless, there'll be no more gloom for those who are in distress in the past. He humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, He is going to honor Galilee of the Gentiles. Galilee happens to be the home territory of Jesus. Jesus Christ, this is a prophetic word. By the way of the sea along the Jordan, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. But as for as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, Every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled up in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Here it is. For to us a child is born. I have a hard time reading it that way. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. If you've ever gotten a Christmas card that had a Bible verse on it, I will bet there's a good chance that it either had that verse, for unto us a child is born, or it had one just a little bit earlier, for the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. That, that passage, that Christmas promise, is for people who have been in a dark place. 
And if you're in a dark place today, if you've been in a dark place, or if you're ever in a dark place, let me tell you, Christmas and the reason for Christmas offers all kinds of promises and hope. The first promise, he says, if you only have darkness, he says, I want to promise you there's going to be light. There'll be light where there was only darkness. Here's what he says. He says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light in the shadow of the night. The light has dawned. Jesus said these words. He says, for I am the light of the world. You don't have to walk in darkness. You don't have to walk in the dark place. And when you do walk through those times, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you. You don't have to beat your feet against every piece of furniture in it. I'm going to be the one who's going to guide your life. And you may be in a dark place right now, but you don't have to be in a dark place in the future. And Christ's promises, the Christmas promise, is that I can bring light to dark places in your life. Number two promise. I can bring joy and hope where there was only sorrow and hopelessness. You can have joy again. In fact, he says these words. He says, you have enlarged the nation and you've increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. I have a friend in ministry who went through a period of, um, of challenge and darkness. And I would say that that challenge lasted for um, a number of years, for three to four years. And um, God brought him through that time. Uh, it was really a beautiful testimony. And... Um, I've had the privilege now of walking with that friend as we've helped and come alongside of others. And so oftentimes when you're, uh, if, you, if you want to call it the, the, the friends of Job, so to speak, where you got four friends who come together and they're trying to help others. And so what we'll do is we'll start doing text group encouragements and we'll just send notes of encouragement to each other. And one of the things that he loves to send is simply these words. The sun is going to shine again. I can't tell you how many times walking with mutual friends when they were going through dark places that he would simply write, the sun's going to shine again. Because when you're in a dark place spiritually, when you're in a dark place emotionally, when you're in a dark place relationally, when you're in a dark place through grieving and grieving dims your eyes, when you're in those places, it's hard to imagine the sun will ever come up again. And sometimes you just need to be reminded that the sun is going to shine someday again. borrows Alaska um, 67 days. But do you know this summer borrows Alaska is going to have 80 straight days of light. Sun won't go down for 80 days. I don't know. That just, that seems encouraging to me. 
I mean, I realize they live far north and I realize the slant of the earth and the rotation traveling through the universe. I realize all of that's set into place. But there's just something promising of that. Where the Lord says, yeah, you're going to go through a dark time, but I want you to know there's going to be a light time that is still coming and it'll outshine the dark place you're in right now. He says, I can bring joy and hope where there was only hopelessness. I can bring victory where previously there was only defeat. And it's interesting because in this passage he says, as in the days of Midian's defeat. It's a very specific passage. It refers to Judges chapter 6 through 8. And it's speaking about a very specific agent of God's salvation. It's the man Gideon, who is an unlikely man with a very unlikely gifting from a very unlikely family, who is a very unlikely leader, who God uses in a very unlikely way to bring a very unlikely, astounding victory over a country that had been oppressing them for years. By the way, if you like foreshadowing and you like imagery, Gideon is an Old Testament picture of Jesus Christ. Just like Joshua is the Old Testament picture of Jesus, Gideon is an Old Testament picture of Jesus. He's an unlikely Savior. And God uses him to break the yoke, to break the chains, to bring victory. And I recognize sometimes our darkness is because of our choices. And our failings. And sometimes darkness is a spiritual issue of our own sin. Pastor Ryan did such a great job of just simply saying, and you might need to hear this morning that God can forgive. And He can bring victory. Number four, fourth promise. He says, I'll bring presence and peace where that used to only be loneliness and turmoil. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Counselor is one who comes alongside and guides. By the way, in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit, the word for Holy Spirit is the paraclete, the comforter, the one who comes alongside of. Some versions translate it the counselor. God says, I will walk with you, guide you, be with you be ever present with you. I am mighty God, which means I can pull off this promise. I am everlasting Father, which means what? My love never ends. I am Prince of Peace because I can bring peace in the midst of darkness. And so what? Well, where's your dark place today? Where's the dark place in your life? 
Pastor, I got to be honest with you. When you read verse 18, I thought that was, it came out of my journal. Darkness is my closest friend. And I'm not going to give you any how-tos or easy anythings. I specifically didn't want to do that today. All I'm doing is trying to be the voice of God into your life. That says no matter where your dark place is, the sun's going to shine again. Because of Christ, because of Christmas, because of all the realities of what He wants to bring, you can have hope again. So Father, I thank You so much for Your Word. And I have been in these places, I really have. And so Lord, I can identify a little bit with what Haman is expressing. But Father, I thank You for Your faithfulness. And I thank You, Lord, that You have a way of speaking the exact right word at the exact right time that we need to hear. I had an older lady in our church that came up last week just weeping. That said, how is it that you know exactly what I needed to hear today? And I would guess, Lord, whether it be online or whether it be here in person, there is somebody that this is your word for the moment to them. The sun is going to shine again. And Christ is the foundation of that hope. And it's not just His coming at Christmas. It's His power and His authority in Easter resurrection. It is His power and promise of coming again. You promise You won't leave us in the darkness. So encourage Your people, Lord, I pray, and help us to be as vulnerable and honest with You as Haman was as he reached out. We thank You, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.